Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Wow, I thank you for that introduction. You know, I was thinking, though, when he was talking and the pastor was talking, Pastor Keith, that, you know, you might consider making a little mini-book out of what you just taught, as I think that's sadly lacking, too, in the body of Christ. I don't know what's in everybody's heart, but I've been in this a long time. I've seen a lot of shucker and drivers and play with the people. But, you know, God really respects us to do what we need to do to do it right. And if we bring him stuff and we don't honor him, we don't respect him. It's not about being at church and saying amen at a certain part, but how you live at home, how you live in the community, how you treat people all the time. You know, I just think that would be something as you think about it as your daddy. Maybe may write a mini book on that. You know, it's not the money, it's the honor. And we've had a lot of good teaching on getting rich and all that. And of course, most of us are not yet, but anyway... Because we're, we're missing something. See, I just figured out, God, he's smarter than all of us put together. And he knows what to put you over in life. And you have to fill all the, all the ramifications of that in. When you get it all complete, it'll be there. Because he's not a liar. He's not like people. He's, he's God. He never lies about anything. So, anyway, we appreciate that, Pastor Keith. And, you know, Pastor Keith gives me a lot of whatever you want to call it. <laughs> accolades but you know he's he has spoken into my life many a time just like this morning I mean I knew that but by him preaching it he's got such an anointing to speak on stuff I just it just went over me again like praise God that's key the honor we bring to God the honor so anyway now listen I want to say something up front here I'm preaching something a little different this morning uh, and every service with me will be different I have a healing anointing on me. I have a deliverance anointing on me. But I may not minister that this morning. I just got to flow with God to get this started. And I went back and read all the passages that I know about in the Bible. And I, I do know most of them about dedication of something. But the real essence of a dedication is to get somewhere in the Old Testament and New where we're in the glory. You know, when you're in the glory, sin doesn't look attractive. When you're in the glory, you might not have a lot now, but you're just trusting God, and you're just acting like you got it all together. You know what I mean? Because you know he's going to come through for you. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about preparing for a revival. Because, and this is a beautiful facility. My goodness, Pastor, you did a great job. And where's Candace? You've done a great job, too. She was the interior decorator for this project. Is that right? And I think she did a marvelous job. I got a lady in my church, she does million dollar homes, her name's Liz Ruder, but I think she's coming up, man, she, <laughs> hallelujah, I know you need to stay in the ministry, but you might make a little side money on that too. <laughs> so I want to talk to, you, talk to you a little bit, and we'll try not to take too extremely long, is that the right time on the back wall for me? Okay. But I want to talk to you about preparing for a revival, or we could call it this, moving into the supernatural. You know, you, you won't get too far in God if you don't yield to the supernatural. 
And, you know, get your mind off of just being a preacher up here where I lay hands on people and they get zapped or they get healed or cancer comes out or devils come out. We have that all the time. It's not unusual for me. However, that's not all there is to walking in the glory. Thank you for your weak amen. Okay, so I'm going to try to help you today if you let me. And I'm talking to you about preparing for revival because we're just starting this meeting. This is the first meeting. So, but it's a little different slant on things because this is uh, physically the house of God. But we're the stones that make up this house. So if you're not walking in the glory and I'm not walking in the glory, there's not much glory here. You know, God comes with his glory when we are ready for it. He will saturate us with himself. But you've got to be ready to receive it. I went through revival in my church, my whole church, for three and a half years. I know what I'm talking about. Some people just left me. They got mad after the first two weeks because things started being not organized as much as they thought it should have been. And then the rest of the people, some of them just stood and looked and they never entered in, so they didn't get much either. I didn't throw them out of the church, but they were just a, really a no-show. Even though I saw them sitting there, they were just sitting there and they weren't going to do anything about it. All right, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. I've been in this. I've been saved 50 years. My wife and I did 44 years of ministry in last August, and then she went home in September. So I've been in this four decades plus <laughs> ministry. So my business is people. And I tell preachers all the time, if you don't have people in your heart, get out of the ministry. You're the wrong person to do anything. I'm going to come down and have somebody pat me on the back if you don't. All right. Go to, go to the book of Acts with me first, Acts 3.19. We'll, we'll start with loose into some scriptures. It's always important to have scriptures. Revival is always based on the Word of God. I think I have four, five, six things here listed in a minute. I'm not in the beginnings of laying a foundation that you could do, though, to prepare yourself for revival. Now, if you, if you don't want to change... And let me say it a nice way I can say it. You don't feel like you need to change. First of all, I feel sorry for you. That you're not going to get anything. You could just go sit in the car instead of being here. But really, I think you ought to stay and just listen to what I might say that it might register on you if you're open. When you start thinking you know it all and you've seen it all, and you might as well just go on to heaven because there's no value here. When you really think like that, you're just full of arrogance and pride and selfishness. And Oh, I'm sorry, did I say that? Yeah, I said that. No, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm trying to help all of us. But we, even the preachers sometimes, you can get to where you feel like you're at a level that you could sit down. And if you're going to sit down, just go home. No, we need people that are active. I, I am more active now in my life at 72 than I ever thought about when I was 42 or 52. You have no idea if you don't travel with me. And I'm not asking you to, but I'm just saying it's a, it's a demand. So I'm learning to do that more wisely and better as I travel. Pray for me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm not mad at anybody. If I was out to get you, I'd just come slap you in the face, okay? So I'm just talking straight. That's just the way I am. I was a drug dealer and a drug addict before I got saved. I was pretty strong back then in the devil's work. So when I got saved, I said, Jesus, I'm going to be for you what I was for the devil. And then some. 
And just like as a drug addict, I had people leave me then, I've had people leave me now. I mean, I could care less. I mean, I love people, but if you can't, if you don't want to be around me, then that's fine. But I like me. Okay. Jesus likes me. Hallelujah. You listening to me? All right. Okay, Acts 3.19, look at this. Repent ye therefore and be converted. Now, when we read this, normally we just think of sins, and it's going to say that. But you think about the word repent, what it literally means is to turn around. So you've been going in this way, and God says repent. Maybe you feel sorry about what you did, but that's not repent. Repentance is changing your course and go a different way than you've been going because he's dealing with you to stop it. And that doesn't mean you're out sleeping around, shooting dope, or getting drunk. It could just mean you're worrying all the time, and your faith is depleted because of your worry. Your faith don't work because you worry about everything. I can tell you what you're going to get if you worry. Nothing. Nothing from God. You get everything the devil wants because that's the way he operates. Or fear. So I'm just talking to you. So when it says repent here, it could mean for born again. If you're not born again, you don't know Jesus, you could receive it today. If you need that, we'll pray with you or come to one of uh, Pastor Keith or Cynthia or maybe I'll give an altar call like that too. Repent and be converted or change the way you're thinking that your sins may be blotted out. That's first of all when you get born again. But that's not just a one-time deal. That's what I'm trying to say. So that it should re refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing don't come because we go to church. They should, but I don't think they always do. But this is a major part of refreshing coming. But if you just take this personally into your life, what I'm going to say to you, and start applying it immediately. Like, for example, if you're coming back tonight, why don't you take 30 minutes today and just get on your face before God in your bedroom, in your garage, wherever you can get on your face or kneel down and just begin to worship Him. And then you can just pray, Father, use Dr. Jacobs any way that he needs to be used. You know, just something like that to encourage me that God would use me. And Hallelujah. And then people get their needs met this week. Okay. All right. So refreshings come when we are changed in our thinking. This is why I'm teaching this to change a little bit, of, maybe just tweak us a little. We could say that, couldn't we? I mean, does anybody here fully arrived? Let me cast that lying spirit out of you. No, you haven't fully arrived. I haven't either. I'm still learning. I'm still asking God. We're just having a conversation with Pastor Keith in the office three minutes before we walked out here about that. I'm just 72. Give me a little chance to grow up. Yeah, you don't get like this overnight. You don't get like this in a decade. And some people never get like this. But you could. It doesn't mean you're a preacher, but I mean you're just radical. You just abandon to him. Whatever he wants is what I want. All right, let's go to Psalm 78 and verse 41. This will help us here. I'm just hitting some high, high notes to set the tone for the rest of the week, including this morning. And uh, here in Psalm 78, I'll give you a moment to find that, verse 41. We're talking, remember, about preparing for a revival or moving into the supernatural. And, you know, somebody says, well, what is a revival? Here's what I wrote down. It's, it's a restoration of force in your life, to have a restoration of force. 
You know, I've, I've had this happen in my own life a few times. I'm embarrassed to tell you. But I learned some things early on about confession and talking right and staying with it. And I've just been a stay with it type of guy. Whether I did good or didn't do so great, I just stayed with the plan of God and kept repenting and kept getting up and going again and going again and going again. And never let the devil push me back. If he pushes, I'm going to push twice as hard back on him. Yeah, I'm not teaching on deliverance, but if I was, I'd become much more seriously aggressive. My wife said, I see when you teach on deliverance, you get kind of aggressive in the pulpit. I said, it's because the devil's pushing, I'm pushing back. <laughs> I, don't mind, I don't mind it a bit. If he pushes, I'll push him back twice, twice as hard. All right, okay. Well, here we are, Psalm 78, verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. This is what I want to say. We can take from this verse, if we don't turn back and we kept pursuing him, and what I'm talking to you about today is what, what topic? Revival, being in the glory, moving in the supernatural. If we'll do that, there's no more limits. Amen. See, they, they turned back. You know, I was once a Baptist. Before that, I was a sinner, and I was a good sinner. I was a committed sinner. I wasn't like to play with it, people. My wife said she was a drug addict. She's not telling the truth. She was a play with it drug person. I was a drug addict. There's a whole world of difference there. I just let her believe that. I said, honey, you're never a drug addict. You just a wannabe. But if you don't turn back into spiritual things, there'd be no more limitations. See, that, God didn't limit them. They limited themselves. But I pushed on through being a Baptist. I went to Baptist Seminary, a very prestigious school in America. And two weeks before I graduated, somebody gave me a book by a Presbyterian priest. And I read seven pages and fell on my knees in my back bedroom of my apartment and started speaking in tongues. And the people I went to school with made fun of that. I didn't care. I just, I just received God. I was hungry for God. I was, I'm still hungry for God. I've seen a lot of them come and go, but they're not still hungry. If your relatives and your mate and your family don't knock you out, the devil will. Unless you're really tough. And you can be tough down here. You don't have to be a muscle person. But you've got to be tough down here to, to take some And just keep on coming. Listen, the, the devil, he's just a chicken. He's a bully. Yeah, I was in the Navy once. I had a bully in my barracks. I don't know if I told this story here, but if it is, just act like it's brand new. And I was in there with about 70 men, and there was a young boy in there. We were all young then. He had a water head. His head was about one and a half times the size of all of us. And I had a bully in the barracks. He's kind of a big guy, 6'1", 6'2", about 250. It didn't look like I had an inch of fat on him. And he kept taunting this boy in this air barracks made fun of him like he was mentally ill, but he wasn't. He was a smart kid. He just had a physical little deformity in his head, and I liked him. And the bully, he just kept picking on him and picking on him and picking. And, you know, I, that's just me, just to know me a little bit. You might get me one or two times, but if you get me where I'm up here, you better look out. I'm going to come for you. So one day, he's at the back of the barracks, and I'm at the front, and I said, Hey, Big Mouth! He turned around and said, are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you, big mouth. 
Now, you either shut up about him or I'm coming at you right now. I want your word that you will never pick on him again in this barracks or on a parade ground. If you say anything at lunch to him, I will climb the tables. I will bite your ears off. I'll pinch you. I'll slug you. I'll choke you. I'll strangle you. I'll bite you. Do you think I'm kidding? Just try me. But he stood there for a minute in shock because he's the big bully in the barracks and everybody's kind of, you know, afraid of him. And his crew jumped off the racks of beds. <laughs> They're standing quite a bit away from him from here to the back wall almost. And I went, well, okay, I guess we're going to get it on. <laughs> and so I said again, listen, I'm not going to stop talking or I'm going to run at you any minute now. I want your word. You're going to shut your mouth about this boy. If I hear one word coming out of you again, I will attack you. I don't care if I get kicked out of the Navy. I will attack you and I will hurt you. You might get me, but I'm going to put the ball on you, put some pain on you, put some hurt on you before you do it. What's it going to be, big mouth? And I heard a little disturbance behind me and a bunch of guys jumped off the bed and got behind me. I said, praise God, we want we're in it now. Come on, bring it. <laughs> to know me is to love me, but anyway. And I said, I'm not hearing any words come out of your fat mouth, fat boy. He said, okay. I said, well, everybody in here heard it. If, if one thing comes out of your mouth towards him, I will jump you out and I will hurt you. Just so we're right. You just know what I'm saying. Or, you know, and he said it again. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. So we just went on with our good self. Never heard another word out of him toward that boy. I wasn't trying to be a hero. I was just tired of his bulliness. <laughs> and he just had a big mouth. And that's just how the devil is with you. He'll show up. He seems big and rough. And like the Wizard of Oz, they're looking and this, the guy's belching out fire. And then the little dog walks over and pulls the curtain back. And Dorothy gave him what for? You remember that? You ever watch Wizard of Oz? Catch up with me a little. Don't turn back and don't limit God. When we turn back at any stage of our life, you might as well go home because that's where you're headed. Well, I'm tired of saying this all the time. What would you want to say? You're tired? Keep saying you're tired and you'll get tired. And not all that, you'll get sick. And all that, you'll get very sick. And then you might just die anyway. Listen. It'll all come to you if you'll stay with it. Okay. I hope I'm making sense here. So revival. to revi Let's go to Isaiah a minute. Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. You okay with me? You following me? I just thought you needed that story about Big Mouth. One of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of mileage out of him. I hope he got straightened out in life. And anyway, praise God. So I'm going to show you a key to revival happening to us in, even this week, even this morning. Verse 15, Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one. You with me in your Bibles? Isaiah 57 
and verse 15 says, Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, that's talking about God, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. A humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. See, if you're not humble, I can't help you in this meeting, neither can Jesus, because this is what he operates on, his word. If I'll be humble... And be, what I'm trying to say is just be receptive to him. And he will speak to you. He'll either speak to you while I'm talking. He'll take you down a different trail maybe if you need it. Or maybe when you get in your car to go home, if something hits you and you start crying and repenting, just go with it. Pull the car over if you're going to cry. That's better. You know, because you might lose control. But I'm being serious. If you're humble, this, notice this. To revive the spirit of the humble. He's not reviving people that are arrogant and proud and think they know everything. I know you've been in church for years. My God, I've been in church, it seemed like my whole life, but just 50 years I've been saved. And it didn't come overnight that I went to every service, but it did come. It didn't come the first day I got saved. I got rid of all my drugs and all my parties and all my other stuff that I won't tell you about that I was involved in, but it got off of me sometimes one at a time. God would deal with me, and I said, I am so sorry. I didn't realize that. I repent for that. I'm getting away from that. And sometimes I had to do that several times in some issues because it had such a stronghold on me. You know, when you're a drug addict, I like what Joe Reuter says, I was hooked on everything but phonics. (laughs) Oh, my God. You probably wouldn't want to know me then. I'm not sure you want to know me today the way you're acting, but I'll warm up to you a little if you'll be fair. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. In other words, you just begin to see, well, maybe I'm not fully abandoned to God like I thought I was. Or, you know, I mean, I'm not here to get your money. That's out of the question, but I've already got money. But the point I'm making is he may deal with you about what Pastor Keith thought about. You know, tithing starts when you start it. And whatever that is in your life, you stick with it. I just stuck with it all those years. Even when my wife was pregnant and I had no food for her to eat, we just kept, we put our tithe first. One time she looked at me and said, honey, I don't have any protein. We had a jar of peanut butter and some popcorn. That's all we had in the cupboard. I was pastor of a church living in their dump called a parsonage, but nonetheless. And I said, well, honey, let's just go for a ride. God has never forsaken us. And we made a commitment how many years ago? I don't know how many back. The tithe, we're going to keep that in the forefront of our thinking. We went on a drive out in the country. We already lived in the country, so then we went to the country country. I don't know. Uh, we came back. There were six bags of groceries on our porch. Now, listen, I didn't tell anybody as the pastor I needed some food. I didn't, oh, I need food. Oh, nobody pays me. No. I didn't do that kind of nonsense. I just believed God. We believe, my wife and I believed God. But we kept God first in our giving. That's where I'm at today because, after all these years. I do my best to be an extremely generous person. I just, I'm just talking. I didn't learn that overnight either. I learned it bit by bit by bit. But he's, he's, he's humble towards us to revive us that are humble. And it's, the word revive here means to restore from a depressed, inactive, and unused state. To become active and flourish again. Now when I say that, I don't mean we all have to be running every service, taking laps and 
jumping up and down and are falling on the floor because we got anointed. But that's good to fall on the floor if you get anointed, if you want to. But I'm just saying overall, are we in a used state where God's using us? You know, sheep should bear other sheep. Bringing people to church to get find the truth and things like that. You still with me? <laughs> All right. So we said that the revive means to restore from a depressed and active or unused state or to become active and flourish again. Praise the Lord. Let's go down to this, these things here. Let's go. Um, we didn't go to that verse yet. Let's go back to Isaiah 43 a minute. We're, we're wrapping some things up as we go. We're not going to take extremely long time, but I appreciate you listening. It'll determine what we get in today's meeting this morning, but then we'll come back tonight. Probably be a totally different subject. What I learned in my life as a preacher, that God will endorse what I preach. So I'm preaching this to all of us, right, including myself, that I would do these things and continue to do these things so that I'm ready and I'm revived continuously. Let me read this to you. Isaiah 43, verse 18 uh, through 21 here. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. You know, this is when people say to me, well, I've heard all that faith stuff, Dr. Jacobs. You just told me you don't know anything about faith when you talk like that. Who talks like that? Nobody that's smart. Nobody that's smart says, I've heard all that faith stuff before. First of all, faith is not stuff. <laughs> faith is holy and precious. That's what the Bible says about it. So you just told me you don't read much. You don't, you don't even consider your faith holy or precious. I've heard all that faith stuff. I don't tire of hearing it. That's the only thing that's keeping you from death, my brother and sister. Your faith is what gets you over in life. Faith is the victory, not the defeat, the victory. <laughs> so when people say, well, I remember back in the days when I was a young kid. We're not there now. We're at this date. We're right in here. Whatever this date is, I don't have a thing on my watch, a calendar, but whatever. So what is this, March something? Yeah, whatever the day is, it's in March 2022. Catch up with us. Verse 19, you know, you know, how many know that you've talked to people and they're a little older? Well, I remember we did that in our church. What do you do now? Nothing. Or they got a sign out front, 10 o'clock uh, teaching, 11 o'clock worship. And like Norval Hay says, they never worshiped anything at 11 o'clock. They had some old dry song. Nothing got worshiped where he went to church. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Notice this. Just think about it. God wants to do something new in us today. I don't know about you. That encourages me. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? So he's saying here, I'm trying to do something, but if you're not perceptive, you won't even realize that I'm trying to do that. Why are you always trying to get us to change, doctor? Because that's what God's doing, trying to get you to change. Moment by moment. The Bible says we go, the Greek says, we go from one level of faith to the next. Romans 1 says we go from one level, our Corinthians says we go from one level of glory to the next. And back in Psalms 84.7, we go from one level of strength to the next level. We don't just stay at that level indefinitely. God, God is about growth in us. Us spiritually growing up. All right. 
says, I'm going to do a new thing, shall you not know it, shall you not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls. That's two types of demonic forces there, represented as dragons and owls. And owls. Uh, it says, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Normally there's not rivers in deserts, they're dry, you know that. But he's saying, I'm going to cause there to be a wetness to things that you didn't realize could come out of that. And you're going to drink of it, and then the owls and the, and the, dragon, the devil and his crowd are going to have to bow to your authority. Remember Big Mouth? Okay. And don't let him intimidate you. Like, speak back to him. Well, I'm not used to doing that. I bet you would if somebody cussed your kid out of school. You'd be down the principal's office ready to beat him over the head. Don't act like you don't know how to get riled up. You're just not riled up about the right stuff. Shaboom, baby. Catch up. I know you. Yeah. This people have a form for myself. They shall show forth my praise. That's what I'm talking about. See, we need to realize revival is trying to break loose in us and come through us, and we won't have limits as we yield to it. We're not going to get to zero to 103 seconds, but we're going to get somewhere if we just take it a time, a day at a time, a verse at a time, and whatever God's saying to you, expand yourself. I know one thing we'll have a better meeting if you do a little praying for the meeting before you got here. I don't mean in the car. Yeah, on the way or where you stop to put on makeup in the car. No, spend a little extra time. You know, you think I'm going to bring it all. You're mistaken. God never called me to bring it all, anything. Hey, I'd bring my part. I'm just conscious of this, and to say it boldly, I always bring my part and then some. I've always got a little left over. Now, I haven't always been that way because I could depleted myself and ran dry for a while. I'm just big, big enough to tell you that. Some people would lie about it and tell you they. But not, not anymore. Not anymore. All right, now let me show you one other thing before I tell you these six things here. Go to 2 Corinthians in your Bible, chapter 14, and uh, let me find it myself. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, I think it is. Yeah, and I'm going to give you a couple other translations that I wrote in my Bible back here on a sticky tab. But So somebody asked me, is it possible to stay in revival continually, Dr. Jacobs? Of course anything is possible. If you want to stay in revival all the time, why would you stop? But I don't want you to equate revival with just shouting and running and jumping. That's a part of it. That's an element of it. But that's not all there is to that. Changed lives means you've been in revival and you're changed. It's shaped. When I had revival in my whole church for four, three and a half years, they were a part of my church back then. The Gehrings were a part of my church. The, the Wells were a part of my church. And it changed all of us. And those that wouldn't change left or dried up, and they just fell off the vine. Eventually, I didn't command them not to come, but they just didn't get it, and they didn't want it. Okay. So I'm going to answer the question, is it possible to be in an element or a level of revival all the time? That's what I'm answering. You asked that, and I'm answering you. You did ask that, right? Just say yeah like you I know. Okay. Thank you for that question. 2 Corinthians 4.16, for which cause we faint not, we're not tired, we're not weak, 
but though our outward man perish, it just means the outward man's getting older, the inward man is renewed day by day. Not every Sunday and Wednesday. Not every time you have revival or have a special guest. Now let me read another translation. I got two of them. But the Knox translation of the same verse, 416. Our inner life is refreshed from day to day. Every day, from day to day. You get up every day and say, Father, I love you with all my heart today. I'm so thankful. You're my reviver. You're my refreshing. I receive refreshing from you today. And I believe my body's being refreshed. My spirit's being refreshed. My mind's being kept. My mind's being refreshed by your power. You didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. I have the mind of Christ. I'm just quoting a couple of scriptures. But if I say that every day, my, my being's being refreshed day by day. Mm-hmm. Here's the Phillips translation. Every day, every day, the inward man receives fresh strength. I don't know whether you just thought God showed up on Sunday and Wednesday, but he's here all the time, every day, all day long, with fresh strength. <laughs> okay. You've been good to listen to me. I'm not done yet, so hang on. Don't be zipping your Bible yet. I got a criteria here I want to look at that will help us move easier in revival. The first, first thing we need to have in our life is hunger. Hunger. Or we would say, you know, the Bible talks about covet. Covet these things. Certain things to covet. So we hunger for the things of God. If you're hungry for more, God's here to help you have more. But again, like, see, being a Southern Baptist boy, I never heard of speaking in tongues. They didn't have no healing lines. They didn't believe in it. They prayed for you, Lord, if it's God's will. They didn't even hardly pray that, but if it's God's will, heal them. And they were just too chicken to say if it doesn't kill them. But that's what they were saying. Why don't you figure out what the will of God is first, preacher, and then pray that. How about by his stripes we were healed. Forget not all his benefits. One being right after that verse, the next verse, he heals all our diseases. So we know it's God's will to heal. Why wouldn't you pray if it be God's will? You took that scripture if out of its context. When Jesus wasn't praying for somebody to be healed when he said if. You'll get it straight. But they didn't have that in my church. I didn't know anything about it. Why? Because nobody taught me. I went to seminary. They further de-taught me. Oh, my God, they were worse than the church I came from. Well, you think I'm teasing? I'm not. I'm not funny about it either. It's pathetic. But I was just the kind of guy I liked that would deal with big mouth. I would deal with all the other big mouths in my life trying to tell me, don't believe that. You're going to, get, you're going to ruin your ministry. Can you believe it? All of the pastors I knew back in 1978 when I started teaching on deliverance, they said, you don't want to fool with that. It'll tear up your life and ministry. And I'm, I'm not the same man I was today. I'd just slap them in the head today if they did that to me. You think I wouldn't? I don't know. I'm not sure I would. I'd just hang on. But I wanted to say, what is wrong with you? Are you an idiot? Have you ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? These are preachers warning me to not deal with the devil in other people's lives. You tell me people aren't crazy. That's a good example right there. And these were the preachers. And they all left me over that. Now I've been around the world a couple of times. I've been on over 120 mission trips. I was in Russia. I was in Siberia three times. And then one of those trips in Siberia, I told about being an ex-drug addict. 
We had 1,300 people in that congregation. I said, if you're a current addict right now, come up here and I'll get you delivered. 37 people came to the altar. I prayed for every one of them. They flipped and flopped just like the Americans when they get delivered. And I didn't spend hours and hours with any single one of them. I just said, come out! In the name of Jesus, come out! And they all came out. I'm just trying to cut to the chase with you. I haven't got a lot of time. But we broke barriers because I was hungry. And the same guy that taught me the Greek New Testament, who was my professor, also taught the book of Acts. I thought he was going to help me. He just practically destroyed all the supernatural. But I went home to my study as a little 28-year-old senior in seminary and studied my Greek New Testament on what he just taught. And I realized he's either lying about it or he just don't know. And I'm not going to raise my hand. He's 80 years old in my class and try to challenge him because I know that ain't going to work. But I knew what I received in my privacy with my Bible. And he had taught me how to study Greek and how to dig things out. I said, he either is lying about it or he don't know yet. And I'm going to listen to another word he says about it. I'll be in class. I'll smile. I'll give him the answers he wants on his test. But that's it. I'm done with listening to people that don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> God didn't make this complicated. If you're hungry, you can have it. If you're not, just go on about your life. If you fail, don't give me a bad rap. I tried to help you get out of that. <laughs> and you won't going to find it in one day, one hour, one, one day of praying three hours in tongues. That ain't going to make you a champion. Maybe if you did that for six months or a year or two, that might help you some. I'm just talking to you here. Don't get upset. Well, I don't pray but 20 minutes a day. Well, use that 20 most constructively, but let's stretch yourself to 30 minutes. Could you give me another 10 minutes? God, another 10 minutes? Hunger. If you're not hungry, you won't get it. Number two, expectancy. Remember the book of Acts, the crippled man at the gate, beautiful? And he said, you know, he was begging for alms, and Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Didn't mean he didn't have any, he just didn't have any with him. Don't read something that's not said. He had a very successful fishing ministry at one time. Boats and all. Nets and all. Other employees and all. But he said, but what I do have, I'm giving you. And the man looked at them, the crippled man, expecting to receive something. He said, I'm going to give it to you. Then he grabbed him by the hand, pulled him up, and he started walking. You don't have expectancy, you won't get it. Pastor Michael Hill, Michael Rabel, him right here, he's my friend, been my friend for 40 years. I started doing mission work with him in Mexico. He built 15 or 20 churches in Mexico, went to Morocco, him and Elaine, has a church over there. Maybe I shouldn't have said that on tape, we'll just exit out. But we were in a church in Colima, Mike and I, to preach. And they brought this lady in. They didn't have a wheelchair. They couldn't afford to buy her a wheelchair. They put her in a lawn chair, and four, two big old guys brought her in and set her down kind of close to the front so she could hear me and Mike preach. And I preached on the power in the name of Jesus, and Mike and I went over and prayed for her. I said, how long has she been in this chair? And some of the guys that brought her in are relatives to her. She's been in that about six or eight years. I think something like that, wasn't it, Mike? And Mike and I laid hands on her, and I got, we got her up. I said, come on, you can walk. And Mike and I, we pulled her up, and I told the ushers, the two guys that carried the chair, listen, just walk her around while I'm finishing ministering at the altar. And by the time we got done, the guy was carrying the chair home for her. She was walking. 
I didn't heal her. Michael didn't heal her. But they, she expected something because of what I taught her. I, I'm sure if I'd have said something stupid like most preachers do, well, you never know what God's going to do. That's because you don't read your Bible. You know what God's going to do if you just read your Bible. This is, this is what he'll do. 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 You've got to believe that. Even if you don't know where to find it, just believe to find it. Uh, you're radical. I know, and I like it. Leave me alone. Don't bother me. I'm in my own world. Now, the next one is, uh, so hunger and expectancy. Let, let's go to Job 32, 20. Can anything come out of Job? Good. Yeah, Job came out. I always like saying that. They act like the whole book of Job is not really. Uh, but over in Job 32, verse 20, I found this verse is so rich. The next thing I want to say is you have to be willing to say what God will do. You've got to be willing to say it. I'm going to show you here. This is the key to your refreshing today. Verse 20, I'm going to give you a moment to find it if you're still looking. Job 32, verse 20. Are you with me? I will speak. Didn't say Dr. Jacobs, but if I was reading it for me, Dr. Jacobs will speak, whatever your name is, just Michael, you can say, that I may be refreshed. So the key is if you're going to be refreshed, it doesn't matter what I say so much as what you say. If you say, Father, I believe for refreshing today in my life, guess what? Then you could receive it. Or if you're thinking, well, I never get refreshed. Well, you're talking wrong. That's why. You say you never get refreshed. The devil will see to it that you never get refreshed. I would say this one time. I haven't got an hour to explain it. You know you're in charge down here. God's not in control down here. If he is, he sure got it in a mess. I sure wouldn't serve him for a minute more if I knew he did it. And the devil's certainly not in control of our lives. Those of us who know our authority... If you will speak, you will be refreshed. If you will speak, you'll be refreshed. If you'll say it, you'll get it. You know, Brother Hagin's whole lifetime was on, you know, whatever you say will be given to you. Believe and doubt not in your heart. So you've got to be willing to say some things. And then it says, I will open my lips and answer. So you've got to answer big mouth. I'm just using that as an illustration again. You've got to talk to things when it looks like it's never going to be. You know, so it'll be. It'll be for me because I'm saying so. And you may have to stay with it a long time. I don't know how much you've been talking fear, doubt, and unbelief. Nobody had a meter over your head when you said something stupid. Ding, 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 ding. We didn't hear that. Or if I said something stupid, ding, 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 ding. And I've said a lot of stupid things in my life. Not anymore. Because I realize what I'm saying is what I'm getting. What I'm saying is forming my future. I wish I had three more hours, but I haven't got that long. I'm going to have to be willing to say something. And when you're saying things that you're not in yet, you're saying it by faith. You're not lying about it. You're saying it by faith. Willing to say whatever God shows you. 
Here's another one, willing to explore new realms. Remember we just read that in Isaiah 43? I'm going to do a new thing. So if it's new, then I haven't been here before. I mean, you know, we could all sit where we're sitting today, and you're looking to me, but I haven't been in this position before in this new church on this platform. First time. But I think I'll come back. They let me. <laughs> I mean, if they want me, that's all right. But you're willing to explore some new things. I wonder how many of you God's anointed to do something extreme just in your daily life, in your daily activities, not necessarily a preacher. There's only going to be some of us that are called to fivefold, and I didn't ask for this. In fact, I tried to get out of it. When God called me, I said, you got the wrong guy. I, I, I'm not a preacher. No, I don't think I want to do that. And he just kept on dealing with me, dealing with me. Dealing. Why? Because he wanted me. I didn't think I was important to him as much as he was to me, but he changed that eventually and convinced me it was his will for me to go into ministry. Then I felt very stupid. Never felt like I was a brain person, an intelligent person, or first in my class. Oh, my gosh. But God still used me. I was willing to read his Bible. I was willing to leave a denomination. I was willing to get out on a limb when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. The very next day, I got a miracle in my church, and the, the higher-ups called me on the carpet. Had, had me a big meeting. They were all doctors of something. And I was just a young, out-of-seminary guy, just been out a couple months. They said, we hear you pray in tongues and pray for the sick. Yes, that's right. Well, you know, that's stupid doctrine. You just need to go back to seminary and get more education. But I happened to have with me that day the Baptist faith and message, which is the written document that says we believe this. So I said, let me read you three men something from page 47, paragraph 1. We believe in the Holy Spirit and his gifts. <laughs> now, listen what they said. We didn't write that. or That's not what we believe. I said, then you shouldn't have wrote it. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but that's what's in this book that we say we are. Be the same for you guys. If you're Pentecostals and something's in here, you and people don't believe it either. They tried to talk me out. They tried to belittle me. You're just stupid and young and dumb. You just need more education. I said, well, I can't go back on what I know is right. The same one that I got saved when I was a drug addict, a drug dealer. Gave my life to Jesus. The same one that did that for me. He's the same one that filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I began to speak in tongues. And I began to pray for the sick. See, I've been always willing to explore. If it's God, if it's right. And I always went to the Word. Of course, I had 1 Corinthians verse 12, chapter 12, 13, 14. I could have told them. They would have said, well, Word, people. Well, you're not that part of the Word. Rip that out of your Bible. Rip out all the places where Jesus ministered like this. Rip it out where Paul ministered like this. You know, they would have just thought, I'm really smart, Alec. So I didn't even fool with them. I felt beat up when I left them. And I said, well, gentlemen, I'm, I don't think we're going to come to any compromise here because I cannot compromise on what the precious Holy Ghost has done with me. 
I'm sorry you don't understand it, but you, sir, that's a pastor here, you're going to have to repent for the way you condescended and talked to me today. You had no right to speak down to me like I'm some kind of idiot. I'm not an idiot. Good day, gentlemen, and I walk. And I walk down the hall, and the devil said, if you just shut up about that tongues and healing, I'll put you in a nice parsonage. I'll give you a nice church. So I, by the time I got to my car, I said, Lord, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm just the real deal. What are you going to do, Father? Well, I said, Michael, the only thing I'm going to promise you right now, because you've put me in this position, I will promise you my power. You stay with what I put in you. And you'll have my power through your ministry. And that's all I'm promising you at this point. Because I'm not bartering like the devil is with you. But he's, he's blessed me. Oh, I can't even tell you how much he's blessed me. You know, somebody had to pay for all those overseas trips. Almost a half a million dollars to send me somewhere just to preach to people. It cost me. But he funded me. <laughs> that doesn't include everything else I've done, you know, in the body. I'm just talking. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on Jesus. <clears throat> when I followed him, he took care of all those things. Here, here's a big one. Acts 5.32. Be willing to obey. Acts 5.32. You may have to ask the Lord maybe when you go home today. It, I may minister to some of you in a minute. I may not. I don't know. Acts 5.32, you're willing to obey what God shows you. These are things that gets us in revival. And uh, it's Acts 5.32, and we are his witnesses. You know, they got called on the carpet because this crippled guy got healed. You remember that? The, the apostles, the 12 apostles and so forth. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so, so also is the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. When you obey God, God gives you the Holy Ghost. He gives you if you obey him. I remember a young man came to my church. He had a lot of mental issues. He's a drug addict. I was saved then and a pastor of a church. I went down to the local newspaper and I asked the lady there, who's in charge here? And she said, I am. I said, my name is uh, Pastor Jacobs. I pastor up at the community center up the road. I got about 20 people in my church. But I'd like you to interview me, and I will give you every information I can about my past because I want to invite the community to come hear me tell about being an ex-drug addict. And if you'll print it, then I'll, 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 I'll talk to you. And I'm asking for your help because I want people in the community to come hear me give my testimony on Sunday night. So she did that. And I had a young man come, he's about 16 or 17, then he's a drug addict, his mother brought him. He got delivered, set free, and got saved. Then I lost contact with him after a little while, and 10 years later his mother called me on the phone and said, is this Pastor Jacobs? Yes, ma'am, who's this? This is John so-and-so's mother. He's in the mental state hospital in Louisville, Kentucky. He's locked up. Would you go visit him? Yes, I will. Where's he at, the state mental hospital? Yeah. So it looked like a prison when I drove up. Of course, I had to check myself in. They frisked me. Uh, they took my license. When you get done, you, he's on the second floor. They're out in the grassy area. Now you have to find him. But when the bell rings, you'll hear it ding, ding, ding. You've got to take him up to the second floor and get him in that room. 
and the orderly will open the door from the inside, bring him in, then you have to come back down to me to get out of this place. So I saw John, and John started cussing me out. He's just a mental case now. Been doing drugs, and my God, I don't know what all else. So I said, the bell rang. I said, John, I got to get you back up there. I'm going to be in trouble. So he started with me, and he just kept on. And the Lord said, cast that thing out of him. We went in the stairwell. I was going to the second floor with him, so I went up the first level. And the Lord said, cast that thing out of him. See, I haven't been obeying yet. Are you listening? He gives the Holy Spirit to those that obey him, not to those who don't obey him. It just irritated me that he would treat me that way, but then I'm realizing he's a mental case right now. And he's been on drugs for God knows how long. We got up to the second floor, I, I turned and I leapt on him. You know what leapt means? I jumped on him. Put my hands on him and said, come out of him! And I was in this stairwell, the cement and brick, cement and steel went, come out of him, come out of him, come out of him. I don't know how many people got delivered that day. <laughs> I mean, the Holy Spirit wrung him out, and he, and then he said, Mike, he's the first time he called me by my first name. I said, yeah, John, listen, get in there and behave yourself, and they'll let you out. Don't you be sniffing glue or doing something stupid. And he got out in three days. I'm, not, I'm just talking about when we obey him, that anointing kicks in to do that for people. Hallelujah. So you've got to be willing to obey God. And you know, sometimes when you start obeying God in an area you've never been before, it's it's different, and you maybe make some mistakes. You just have to repent, take the correction, and move on. I'm just about done. The last one here is you're willing to change. Willing to change. Let me give you a verse for that. It's First Kings. Willing to change. First Kings. Uh, let me find it here. Where did I put that? 1 Kings 19, praise the Lord, let me see, 1 Kings 19, I must be in the wrong, let me see, I must be in the wrong place here, 1 Kings 19, that's what I wrote down here, let me go to 2 Kings 19, see if that's it. see here nope I lost my verse here I don't know I had that written out I must have wrote it wrong anyways when the prophet was by the brook you know the prophet and the, the birds brought him meat during the day and he drank from the river from the brook that ran by the water but after a while that's what it says after a while the brook ran dry what was the comment? Willing to change. You're going to have to change or starve to death there. And God said, I've, I called a lady over in this town, Zarephath. She's going to take care of you. But when he met the lady, he said, could you first bring me something first? She said, no, I can't. I'm going to cook this little meal. Me and my son are going to eat it and die. She's not thinking of helping him. She's thinking I'm going to feed my son and me and we're going to die. But the prophet said, we'll do as I said first. And it'll be granted to you. And I looked, I studied all that out in the Hebrew. I'm in the wrong reference. If somebody finds the right one, you can tell me. First Kings. There it is. Why didn't you tell me that sooner? I'm teasing you. 
Here it is in verse, starting in verse 1. We won't read the whole thing. Verse 7, it came to pass after a while the brook dried up because there had been no rain. See, you have to be willing to change when God does things in your life to move forward. Are you still listening? Now, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up together.